This episode of Box Cutters is supported by Ice TV, offering our listeners a 30% discount off their subscription. Stay tuned to this episode for more information about this offer. Box Cutters. Box Cutters. Hello and welcome to Box Cutters episode 237, Infantile Sarcasm. My name is Josh Canal. To my right, oh, it's Brett Cropley. Good evening, viewers. And to my left, John Richards. Hello, listener. No, 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 that's weird. Was, just, was that just so we didn't have the same shimmers all as last just week? Just totally just mixing it up. You are. Just mixing it up. You, you know what happened last I'm, week, John? Jo- what? what? Nellie Thomas ripped off my line. Oh, that's hard. And because she was to the left, she got to say it first. first. That's bad. I'm in the wrong seat as well, by the way, which is just awesome. I know. You are. That's throwing me a little bit. It is a bit weird. Because you're to my far left. Yeah. Which is almost a famous Australian Because when our guest appears in the future, which hasn't happened yet, he'll be in the middle, which is odd. Yes. John, while I'm uh, talking on the microphone here, you could uh, be switching over mics there and uh, people wouldn't know. And then we could uh, actually get our chemistry back in in line. Things are unbalanced, Josh. Things are unbalanced. I can't deal with it. Brett, the problem there is that if if he does that and with the whole space-time continuum thing, he might end up sitting on our guest, Pete Rosethorn, who's coming in to to talk about his career in television and also uh, is hopefully going to stick around. I say hopefully, clearly, we've recorded this already. John's (laughs) alluded to that. Uh, Hopefully, Pete Rosethorn will stick around to talk about Matron Dorothy Conniving Bitch, one of my greatest TV characters of all time. Sure, it's going to make continuity hard <laughs> when I'm cutting it up for the video podcast. There is no video podcast. There is no video but podcast. I'll be the one cutting it up, so don't you worry about it. I, I, yeah, but if he's sitting on... I, I, get, I always get full coverage, Josh. If always he's get full coverage for Pete the video Rose podcast. Thorn, if he's si- sitting on Pete Rosethorn, then there's a good chance that he'll kill his own grandfather. Oh, that's never good. No. Pete's not his own grandfather. Not yet. But who knows what it's going to be like in the future? You see? And then we're all Linda Hamilton. Oh, my God. Totally buff. More uh, stunt casting. <laughs> uh, yes, Linda, Linda Hamilton will not be uh, talking about her career as the beauty in Beauty and the Beast later on in this episode of Box Cutters. She's in Chuck, isn't she? She is. She's yeah. playing Chuck's mum. I'm, t- yeah. I'm telling you what she's not going to talk about. But Pete Rosalind will be talking about Kath and Kim, Comedy Company, Let the Blood Run Free, later on in the show. We've also got One Thing, we've got some pork, we've I, got... I, 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 we, we didn't touch on it. Sorry. I'll be, I'll be polite enough not to touch on it. <laughs> but uh, I'm not going to touch on... Because it, it won't heal. On his family connections. Oh, Okay. If you're curious, because I was you fascinated. Are, you are edging it's, very, it's very closely there. to touching on it. It's out there. You're going very close. There. You can I, find it very easily say, if you want to know. I'd, I'd call I, that a touch. I think you're touching. I think that's a touch. No, no, I won't touch on it with Pete here. Just behind his back. Just touch on it behind his back. Show me on the doll where you touched on it, I'll pre-touch it. Ah. Uh, also, as you heard at the top of the show, we do now have a sponsor. Later on, we'll tell you about how Ice TV are supporting us. But before we do that, I want to say it is three triple R's radiothon at the moment. Hell yes! We've already had one listener, uh, Bolden, who uh, tweeted that he 
uh, tried to subscribe to Box Cutters. Uh, of course, Box Cutters not in the list of shows, never has been in the last five years of Box Cutters being part of the Radiothon. But Unfortunately, you can really just take the time to subscribe and confuse one of the many wonderful volunteers <laughs> in the phone room. Let me tell you something. First, ask for Box Cutters. If they don't give you that, and they won't because it's not on the list, ask to subscribe to the Geek Guide, which is my other thing at Triple R, and puts me on air five nights a week. Can you subscribe to the Geek Guide? No, you can't. Right. <laughs> <laughs> Still say, not oh, in the list. If right, I'd known about mode. that, Brett, <laughs> if I'd known about that, I would have subscribed to that show instead of Dynamite. Dynamite. Just into Parsons. Excellent show. I'll say mm-hmm. this. Uh, but, uh, but. There's a wasted plug. She never listens. See, no, she doesn't, no. does she? No. Does she? No. That's a shame. But we uh, love so her. Yeah, uh, we'll three, love her in, in person. 3 R. Uh, go to their website. Uh, there's a link on the blog to uh, to subscribe. That Do website it. is rrr.org.au. Uh, do, do you have to type it like that? Uh, uh, uh. <laughs> <laughs> yes, you have, to, you have to type it with your waggly finger. Uh, uh, uh. <laughs> like it's a sassy black mama typing you need to do. Nice. Oh, no, she did. <laughs> Oh, that's the whole Mac gestures thing, isn't it? Yeah, that's As always, though, let's kick things off with the box cutters news. In uh, news that we're only going to mention because she's Australian, uh, but it's some of the most ridiculous news ever. Portia de Rossi uh, is, uh, has filed to change her name to Portia DeGeneres. This is ridiculous news. This is a story about love. It's got nothing to do with television. Yeah, but she's on television. Yeah, I know. It's very, very little. Anyway, that's that's kind of by and by. She's Ellen also- DeGeneres is on television What do you mean she's well. applied to, to change her name to... She's applied to change her name. You could go deep poll to change. Yeah, you got it's a very quick process. Not, yeah. not maybe in America. But remember, Porsche Dorsey, Ellen DeGeneres got married. It got overturned by Proposition Eight. Proposition Eight has been overturned, so now they're married again. She wants to change her now, name to DeGeneres. So, but yeah, also, Porsche but you could change her name anyway. And Dorsey is not a name. Porsche Dorsey is not a name. Nobody from Geelong is called Porsche Dorsey. I'm really trying to move past this, Brett. I really yeah. am. I think it's quite. I mean, okay. Yeah. I tried, uh, John. I know. I think it's a good story. It's fine. Uh, Portia Generous. Going to try to change it to, to Portia DeGeneres, uh, but also has been rumoured to be up for the replacement Steve Carroll role in The Office. Along, the office. yes. Along, well, no one gets confused. What, if I what, say the Steve Carroll role in the in The Office, no one's thinking. Oh, did they make a third series of the UK Office and put Steve Carell in it? No Josh, one's thinking that. There right. are still people that don't know who Steve Carell is. And not if they listen to this show, they don't. What if she changes her name and the letter doesn't get to her, saying you've been offered the role of Steve Well, this Carell. is the problem, isn't it? This, I, this I, is the problem. I think she has people that'll take care of that. Are you sure? Plus, uh, well, plus Porsche, Porsche, Porsche Rossi has a, has a habit of being in shows that are cancelled shortly after. Uh, so I don't think she chooses to do No, that. she doesn't. It's just a habit. It's an unfortunate well, habit. Ted went for a long time. Uh, better off Ted. Got yeah, went for two seasons. Only two? Got cancelled um, through the second one, didn't Yeah, it? did. It, did get, it didn't, didn't even show the, the full second series. Yeah, uh, yeah she does have a, a habit of shows that don't last long enough. Well, going down the Antipodean list, uh, Reese Darby is also a possible I replacement. I don't know who that is. Yes, you do. From Murray Flight from Flight of the Concords. Oh! 
Oh, he's funny. Yes. Yeah, he's good. Yeah. Presumably he'd be doing also as Murray, I imagine. In that thing with, uh, with uh, Jim Carrey. Um, yes, man. Was that it? No, he's just agreeing with you. <laughs> it was, wasn't it? The Yes Man? Based on the book by Danny Wallace. Very loosely based on yes. the book. Yes. Danny, Danny Wallace got a check somewhere and they made a film with the same title. Yeah, I think that's. I the, don't remember him in Yes Man. <laughs> what are you thinking of, I, then? I thought it was some other. I haven't, I haven't seen that many Jim Carrey films recently, so I'm not sure. It's the Grinch. Also, in the Grinch. Danny McBride. Danny McBride. Uh, stepping away from the end. Kenny Powers. Kenny, Kenny Powers. Powers. Uh, is uh, is also up for for the role. He's banned it down. Only yes. one series or two series. Uh, they're doing a second series now. Uh, yeah, there's uh, Kenny Powers. You can follow him on Twitter. He is K fucking P. Yep, and very funny, very very funny tweets. I just started following him over the weekend. Uh, a lot of Kenny Powers is back tweets. Is it the real Kenny Powers or just someone pretending to be? Him? I don't know. I don't know. I don't care. I don't care if it's actual world-class picture. It'll be embarrassing if he gets caught out. Yeah. It, it, the it fake Kenny Powers. Fake Kenny <laughs> <laughs> One of his staffers. <laughs> uh, so that's office news. And really, uh, we'll know when we know. But in Which adds to uh, the list of uh, Ricky Gervais, Kathy Bates, Amy Ryan, Rain Wilson, who plays... Uh, Plays Dwight. Hey, did you uh, say Ricky Gervais is a rumour to come in to play Craig the Robinson role, so. and David Cross. I would love to see David Cross. Uh, as, as the new How boss are you saying Rain Wilson? Dwight is already in the show. Yeah, but but taking over the, the role of the boss, being oh. the, the regional manager rather which, than which the, would seem the easiest the way of doing it. Assistant regional manager manager. Uh, and Kathy Bates also has a, another role manager. as well. In um, the yeah, office. she was the owner of the company that, that bought, bought them out. Them out. Yep. Uh, last week we brought you news about uh, the Amazing Race Australia and how important that is. Uh, to our national culture. Oh, well, just breaking news. Uh, there is a box cutters team on Amazing Race Australia. Is there? Was was that what you were about that, to say? Uh, no. Oh, sorry. I, I, because now that's not going to happen because of all those agreements that we had to sign, of confidentiality and yada, 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 and embargoes, and so, and because we've broken that now, Brett. They know we're mavericks. That's why they gave us the, the slot. Yeah, yeah. Uh, don't be surprised, people, if now there is not... A box cutters team on the Amazing Race Australia, so, and so, so you so have there, there was properly one. You right broke the embargo last think. week, Josh Canal. No, I was just being very excited about all of it, Brett. It's you know I discussed it with. Well, anyway, I was just Iron excited. Chef, can you shut up? I was just excited. <laughs> Iron Chef Australia, Brett. Tell us about this. Uh, this will be uh, 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 what's his name? What's the who's the name of the uh, the stadium owner? Uh, Basically, it's it's uh, the same as we've seen from the states with Australian voices, isn't it? Is that how that works? That's what the American one is, isn't it? You brought this news to us, right? <laughs> I didn't read it. God, I, 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 I'm not engaged by Iron Chef. Uh, I, I'm not engaged by Master Chef. I, I, I haven't be- jumped on the bandwagon of cooking on TV uh, of recent years, um, and I thought one of you guys might have been uh, a bit more engaged, right? Apparently, there's going to be an Australian master chef. Uh, Turning your mic off because there is already an Australian master chef. It's been on Channel 10 for the last two years, and it's been very popular. I'm glad you've been paying attention. <laughs> Sorry, I am uh, chef, I the, uh, in, in other news, uh, Variety reports that the Australian television revenue 
figure has bounced back at Australian TV. Uh, digital channels, in particular, have helped to drive a boost in advertising revenues that had plummeted due to the financial crash. So does that mean there's more ads or they're charging more? Australia's new digital channels are helping to drive a boost. <laughs> Uh, according to, to data released by uh, Free TV, the three commercial uh, networks... Because logically, it should double. ...received a total of 1.8... Bi- no, not they've logically. Got, they've got twice as much airtime to fill with ads. It's up 18%. Yeah. But well, 18% is so, not but double. But they could just sell the same amount of ads. It's only double in your weird economic theory of... You have one channel. Of- you have one channel. There's 100%. You have two channels... You can double that onto but the other channel. But only if people you? want to buy the ads. People might not want to bother sure. buying the ads. Well, you know, but given it, given that Go, a screening community, first run, Big Bang Theory, first run, shouldn't shouldn't they have uh, advertising revenues on that on that channel? But you're cutting uh, up the same number of audience members, Brett. No, you're taking them away from Channel Seven. You ca- you've got channel the 10. same Channel Ten. Yeah, but with Channel Ten at demogra- it, demos are you- all over Go. And that. It's time for you to shut up. <laughs> the thing is, they're not saying one particular channel. They're saying the entire uh, three network combined, mm. three networks combined, up 18%. Mm. So even though you've got the same number of viewers, they are able to get more money out of their advertisers for the last year. That's what they're saying, Brett. Because nobody's not- watching Channel 10's one. So there's no advertising being sold on there. So, so the other the other channels have got to make up for that. It's I I, I don't understand. Did you were you homeschooled? <laughs> no. Where are you coming up Do with I these look things? Religious? Where where are you, because if if I was uh, if I was the headmaster of Melbourne High, yes, and I heard this podcast, yes, I would I, say Katy Perry should go to their social. <laughs> I would say, oh, is that what our graduates do? Bring Peter Rothstone on. Bring bring Peter Rothstone on. Quick, quick, get it back. Uh, AMC's oh, very, got a new very interesting uh, what? article in really? the uh, really interesting? the Sunday Mail. Because uh, earlier you had a chance to say something interesting, and you just said dumb stuff. Adelaide girl. Uh, Kelly Connolly was uh, talking about being boned by Channel 9 uh, pretty much uh, the week that she found out she was pregnant um, and uh, has spilled a little bit on uh, attitudes to the women on uh, news and current affairs at Channel 9. Isn't this three years too late, Kelly? Oh, she's from Adelaide, so... (laughs) Um, talking about uh, yeah, and uh, talking goodbye about, to all our South Australian <laughs> listeners. Talking about uh, the the Murray, yes, it's been nice having you. Thanks. The the uh, female newsreaders with uh, smaller cup sizes having to use uh, being being uh, instructed to use chicken fillets to uh, not stuff actual chicken bras. fillets, metaphorical chicken fillets. The the yes, um, and and that sort of stuff. Uh, being being basically seen as a fatty boomba because she was a size twelve uh, doing TV. So because at that 9. because that article had something to do with boobs, you read that one. No, no, no. I, this this just further uh, uh, documents Channel 9's attitude to women that they have in, the, in their news and current affairs division. And that is the box cutters news. Hello, this is Frank Thring, gossip from heaven. 
on the box cutters. I bumped into Ray Charles the other day. Well, he bumped into me because his dog's not dead yet. It's the Box Cutters Podcast. Mm. You're listening, tuned in. We have a special guest now. I thought, because, you know, I've been listening to uh, to a little bit of Philip Adams. Ah, late, late, late night, night live, live with Philip Adams, and he he does that. He just uh, just talk, talks like that, and uh, he talks and then we'll uh, he'll he'll tell a story about uh, you know when I was uh, g- handing out the Order of Australia Awards in two thousand and one because they only give you so many, and then uh, you just hand them out. Yes, yeah, so <laughs> I, I was. Uh, and I was uh, speaking to Dame Elizabeth Murdoch, and he just does that, and he just name drops and talks himself up, and and, and I thought, maybe that's what box cutters should be. And then I thought, no, Brett Cropley. I'm not sure he so much talks himself up as just relates bits of his life. Oh, why don't you just get down on the ground and hug his knees? You'd love him. I yeah. really appreciate it. You, you are just, you are a Philip Adams apologist. He's an amazing Anyway, Brett, I was, I was thinking, no, that's not the way box cutters should go. What we should do instead is speak to people who have been involved in Australian television a lot. People that make us look better. No, I don't... Definite possibility. Anyway, Pete Rose thought about <laughs> the box cutters. <laughs> Pretty awkward. That was, I was, the, that was the worst introduction it's ever. Okay, I'm happy with no, it. I'll no, take no, it. It was terrible. It was I think she'd be angry and storm out. Do you think so? Yeah, yeah. Do it. Do yeah, it. be good. It's good Do it. that way. I'm on the other side of town. Uh, storming out now. I'm doing yeah, something before you come I back. Oh, you know, back the room. Just for a second, you mean? <laughs> yeah, yeah. Just, I do it all the time. Oh, okay. It was disgraceful. You know, just something would have been nice. Some kind of effort. Instead of some weird Philip Adams ramble <laughs> and a backhanded, wasn't even a compliment. In fact, it was an insult. Box cutters are shit. Uh, that made a little bit of good oh, John, John, I was, I was joking yeah, about the. You're giving it a red hot so, go, yeah, Peter, well, and that's the important thing. Now, look, Josh, I think you should try the introduction again and maybe mention some of the shows that Peter. You know, he did the same with. thing with Will Anderson last week, the oh, week before. But yeah. He was on the phone. Did did he he it was so embarrassing. <laughs> did he still out? On the phone. Well, he hung up. He did hang up. He did hang up, but it's true. <laughs> so no, go, go, have another go, Josh. Have another go. Go on. Welcome now to the Box Cutters studio. Mm. A man who has been a part of Australian television legendary shows like Kath and Kim, Let the Blood Run Free, Comedy Company. It is none other than Mr. Peter Rosethorn. Oh, see, people think we say Glenn Robbins, but no, he wasn't in Let the Blood Run Free. That was no, your clue. No, he wasn't. Yeah. No, no, he wasn't. And then people might think it's David Swan and then go, who's David Swan? <laughs> Where's Swanee? What? Where is Swanee now? What? What's going on there? Living in Byron Bay, making cookies. Is he? Is he living in Bar- Byron Bay now? He lives up there, yeah, yeah. He right. Went, uh, when he did Crackers, I did a film called Crackers a long time ago. I did a short film with him first, which was all my family stories. And he wrote, he thought, oh, because he, he won a couple of awards with that, got a bit fancy pants. He thought, I'll get, I'll get my feature film up in a couple of years. That took him seven years. Did his feature film. Nothing really came up of it after that. So he did a couple of directed a few stingers and a few bits and pieces and went, nah, I'm going to oh, no. Hawaii. You're saying, you're saying he, he, nothing came of that. Mm. He really dined out on that uh, when he was... Uh, uh, when, when he was teaching at RMIT. Oh, did he? Yeah, yeah, totally. <laughs> what, totally. What, do you want to watch Crackers oh, again, everyone? Oh, yeah. Yeah, when I, uh, when I directed <laughs> oh, right. Crackers. Oh, this was a hell. It was three oh, months of hell. Of course, also, uh, Petty, most recently you're on uh, ABC's Can We Help? Of course. Uh, and, uh, and Probably unfamiliar. 
can to most people. Well, I you know I, do you have grandparents? I I did. Well, I did. Okay, but you're, you're out of the equation, yeah. John. Do you have grandparents? Uh, not anymore. No, we got rid of okay. all. Come on, it's not. Yeah. Me, Brett, I, have, you got I have seen the show though. I have seen the have show. You? Yeah. Why? Six thirty five. I don't know. What's wrong with you? I think it was by mistake. I was looking for something else. I was about to say collectors before, and then went. Oh no! Come on. No. No. Yeah. We can't. can't talk about the what? But apparently don't mention. Apparently they've got a vacancy. It's all good. People, do, do, do they get them confused? I the two shows? Hand in the air, I honestly was about to say, and collectors earlier. Well, if, and, you, and if, you're, oh, on, if you're over 70, I yep. think it's a blur from 6.30 on. <laughs> right. Because it just becomes confusing and hard, and I'm tired, I want to go to sleep, I don't know what's going on, I've had my dinner at 5 o'clock. Because oh, <laughs> when, when... Had a sherry at 5, oh, I've got on a mess. When the news came through about the, the host of the collectors, mm. did... did did you get some phone calls going, what have you done now, Pete? What's going on? <laughs> no, no. No, there was that no crossover in that way. No. Okay. No, but it was a very quick call. Not quick as in physically, but he was, he was gone quite fast. They, they really... Oof, they, boy, he was fast gone. They, they took uh, all yeah, of that. Well uh, before that the court case. Uh, <laughs> it's very unusual. So, Can We Help yes. is uh, 6.30, Friday nights, ABC, mm-hmm. people... Uh, right it's, it's basically It's basically uh, you asked for it. Yes. Uh, but for old people. Yeah, and really simple stories. Not you ask for it, you know, you want to see Vic and Evil jump over that cliff right there? Come on, you ask for it. Here he goes. <laughs> no, it's... Um, I'd like make, to see How do you make a, an interesting strawberry jam? You asked for it? Here <laughs> well, it, it does occasionally, though. <laughs> yeah. I'm leaping to the defense of, of Can We Help? I don't know why I'm doing this. Yes. It, do, it does occasionally have, have these interesting stories. Just, you know, I was a really good friend of this person, or yes. this is my sister. Those are the bits that, you know, and, and you guys track down the person and there's the tearful re- reunion which is quite interesting in almost every case it appears to be that googling them was all you needed <laughs> to do so, again it seems to me it's a show for people who don't know how you search it's a whole program with one researcher on wikipedia and google <laughs> so, so, so do you actually Napoleon was a French emperor <laughs> thanks for the question but those scenes are actually quite moving often the, the, yes. the reunion channel bits. 7 did a whole half an hour on one yes, yes. but they, they picked often people who are sort of camera friendly as well as we don't. We don't pick camera friendly people. We pick the real deal. Oh, and there's often really? one bunch of freaks wants to find another bunch of freaks <laughs> put them together. Everyone cries at the end and goes and have dinner. Oh, it's scary viewing sometimes. I but um, And I get to do things. I got to go, you know, interesting things. Or some interesting, some heinously boring. I have to be, like a couple of weeks ago, I had to go to a soybean factory to because some doofus has written in and gone, how do they make soy milk? <laughs> <laughs> so some old me has to go to the factory and watch tubes. I, I love little silver tubes go into things. <laughs> this theme and what happens next in the really easy place. The, the, there was a great uh, little interstitial show on the How To Network uh, called uh, How It's Made, mm. and and so it was just like three to four, three to five minutes of. How something is made. Yeah, happy with that. And three to five minutes, that's great. You mm-hmm. see, you see a, a man, how a man takes a lathe and an old tree mm. and creates a full dining suite. Yes. Right? Yeah. And you go, oh, genius. That's how it's made. Mm. Uh, which like is, that. which is great if someone's like hand making soy milk. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Sure. But no, it's just not a factory. Not, yeah. not a factory. <laughs> I, I wanted to ask though, because you did the voice at the beginning there. The um, how is it made? And 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 it's one of those times because I've occasionally done a voiceover, and it's very hard for me to do voiceovers without them sounding sarcastic. Oh, I know. And I kind of wonder for you as a comedian, do you? Is it hard for you to do those kind of intros oh, without them? If we could have a, a triple box set DVD of me, just about <laughs> being <takes>. really horrible. <laughs> 
<laughs> to the questions and the t- oh, I have a ball. I have an absolute ball. So the crews kind of we have a good time doing it. And uh, look, I don't upset the people I'm with, and I hope that often there's a person who runs a factory and never dealt with this thing in their lives. So I have to, to chill them out and make them cool, so I can do jokes with them later on and throughout the process and mess with their heads a little bit. And that's really good fun. And there's sometimes where I just to get them loose, I just you know I might drop in you know the f bomb or you know the c bomb. <laughs> So what sort of a fucking prick would do this fucking stupid job then? Would it be that fucking tool over there with that stupid fucking head? And they go, oh, you can't say that, can you? And it kind of takes, then I go and redo it, you know? But, you, you know, you just have to piss off one asshole who's yeah. going to collect all those tapes and put them on YouTube and go, uh, uh, family Pete Rose thought is... Oh, uh, I'd be happy. I'd suddenly be groovy. I'd be groovy again. would be groovy <laughs> Look, I really like it's got a beautiful, nice nature to it, the show, because it's audience driven and it's got a nice heart to it. And I'll be forever grateful to the ABC to teach me how to present on telly because it's just. It's, it's the first not, time you've done teleprompter work. Uh, yeah, oh, no, I've done it before, but it really made a mess of it. It's, it's kind of hard. Some people are just naturally confident and can read. <laughs> I have trouble <laughs> sitting in a chair looking comfortable and confident and reading. Well, that's just right out of the ballpark. <laughs> so I've just got to slow, slow down, be calm. And it's in its sixth year. We're going to our sixth year next year. So I'll, I've learned a skill. And being paid to learn something I should have learned at RMIT doing media, and I didn't do any of that. So I've been paid to do something on air, which is a gift right. So it's heaven. a it's another example of a stand up comedian yes. taking a job of someone who has trained, <laughs> yes. gone to university. That's right. Look, this is the question I wanted to ask, and That's I right. thought it might be rude, so I was going to wait till later in the interview. But mm. let's just do it now. No, do it now. You're, you're doing. Can we help? Yeah. You know, Andrew O'Keefe went on to do Deal and Deal Deal. Mm. Rove, obviously, a prime example. Yep. Is, Andy is, Muirhead is yeah is doing these kind of shows. Yeah, because you're all comedians, mm. and presumably you would have been, you know, taking the piss out of this kind of stuff when you were doing your set sets of the Prince Pat or whatever. Yeah, yeah. Is this like a step up because you're now being paid, or is it a step down because every night you you wake up at two a.m. going, "Well, I'm doing a sitcom." You know, is it a good thing or a bad thing to end up doing these kind of shows? Oh, look, I think once you once you get out of the the mode of being a stand up comic and being it's your world, because you enter this stand up comedy thing, and it suddenly becomes your social life, and it becomes. What you do, and you mix them with funny people, and you're getting paid a bit of money for it. You're living in the big comedy house. You're living in the big comedy house, and then the world gets a bit bigger. And you, you know, and I met a girl, and you get married, and you have babies and stuff, and suddenly you've got income that you, it's, it needs to be bigger. So you're casting it out wider. And in the midst of doing comedy, it all backdoored into TV. It wasn't like I wanted to be on in sketch comedy. It just drifted there. It wasn't like I, I want to be on TV to do improvisational comedy show like doing blood. It was just just evolved itself so it just you just follow your path a bit and you suddenly becomes not embarrassed if I, if I got if i got offered um a year to sit on neighbors i'd do that mm-hmm. i would not have it i'm not groovy i've never been groovy my whole life not once have i heard on the side of going hey man that's just so uncool i wouldn't do that i love that vibe but i've never truly been that i've always been a, just a bit of a dick and just gone and kind of, kind of you know sold us the spinous and gone with what's there if you know what i mean so like a zombie, but I still you've got to you've got to learn you've got to learn to be a good zombie and learn to take in information as you do it. I'm a reasonably quick learner. If I've got a skill, I can learn things quite fast. And um, the and and those and I think as you take those jobs for granted, like you watch a newsreader, you go, oh, I could be a newsreader. What's he doing? He's reading the thing. But to be have a style, it's evolving a style. It's the same with stand up. Once you get your style and your thing, you're away. Mm. But it's getting that to that point that's the hard part. It's the four or five years of of going, God, I've, you know, I used to go a million freaking miles an hour and just jump around and be and just move and move and move because I liked moving, and then oh, I got puffed. <laughs> well, I'm exhausted. 
Well, well the, the start <laughs> of your routine for, for a long time was the crunchy granola sweet. Yeah, yeah. Uh, which is just nothing but physical motion. Mm. Uh, and you, you were doing physical comedy on stage at a time when everybody else was just telling jokes. Well, I saw I went, Richard Pryor, and this was the first kind of, well, I'd seen, I'd seen I, I saw Barry Humphreys do his uh, An Evening's Intercourse, which when I was a kid, and I thought, mm. that, I want to do that because he's by himself and everyone's laughing at him. <laughs> what a genius. And then saw um, Lost Trees from Barkers, they were really physical kind of ads. <laughs> yep. And then no one was moving. No one was moving. Everyone was static. There was no movement at all. Most comics were just standing there. And like, oh, they might pace, like Anthony Morgan used to pace a lot. Yep. But most people were pretty static. And um, so I just wanted to, to physicalise a lot more pre-umbilical brother. <laughs> so I was, um, I was jumping around purely because I knew I would look different to everyone else. And also um, I could do a bit of mimey kind of shtick. Not, I wasn't saying, here I am. The pain class across the window <laughs> for the car to drive through it. I was I would just do gestural comedy better. You know, I'd move around a lot. Anyway, I was going to make a point. I can't remember what it was. I drifted there. No, oh, Richard Pryor. Yes, and he demonstrates a lot. He was really because he was working big theaters when I saw the videotape thing. He was you know having heart attacks and you know grabbing his heart and fighting and, and doing physical fights. And Robin Williams worked in a similar way. So I suppose out of that that kind of that sort of vibey, story-flavoured story stand-up, which started when I started in the early 80s, that was all moving to that story mode. But that's that part of it. That's the sort of thing that would uh, get you noticed from people who, who, were, uh, uh, who were casting television, who were casting comedy company, or people who were putting yeah. together a troupe like, like Blood, yeah. where, where people would say, well, this guy can do the, the physical comedy, he can do the vaudeville stuff. Because yeah. that's essentially that's essentially what what you were doing as opposed to just stand up comedy. Yeah, it was more vaudeville what you were doing. I liked acting too, and I, so I could take on character character roles or try and do character things. And so and yeah, I think that is it. You, people just forgotten to move around because it was it's part of the part of making people laugh is your body. It's it's a it's a weapon. <laughs> it is. It's a weapon. <laughs> so when blood started, because the comics just wanted to work together, the last laugh thought it'd be a good idea to have something at Le Joke, which was the small room above the last laugh, which had about 100 people, just to get all the comics working together as a Thursday night, because Thursday was a quiet night, to try and draw people in. So we'd run a soap opera and we'd improvise it every week. And we just worked out very fast that, well, these, the, the sort of core group of us, which was Linda Gibson, who was mate from Carnarvon Mitch, we'll talk about later, and uh, Brian and Curvis from Rock Quiz and uh, Mark Cutler who's now living in Tassie um, uh, Helen Knight who played a nurse Effie she's now in New South Wales somewhere and Jean Kitson so we, yep. we became the cast the core cast myself and then we'd have guest people rotate through it and the middle kind of act like a separate comedy act in the middle so we'd improvise the start there'd be a comedy act and we'd improvise the second half Late in the sh- at the piece, and was it completely improvised? Yeah, yeah. At the Bob Franks. So, so original, original stage production, completely improvised, like Commedia dell'arte. <laughs> <laughs> we had all our characters set, so we'd just write the plot lines out on the Thursday afternoon <laughs> for that Thursday night, and then we'd improvise them all. And when when it got momentum and people would come to watch us every Thursday, at the end of we did uh, how many shows we do up there? We did forty, did forty of them, and so we uh, compiled the bits and pieces of by this stage because we've got momentum we were going to be shifted to the downstairs so we had a, a six night a week kind of run down there so on every so that's where we put the question wow, that's a big big room mm. that's 200 people yeah, yeah yeah so we had uh we had to then organize this question thing so we let them decide which way the plot was going to go 
So that would be its hook, I suppose, to try and keep the improvisational feel going. But every night, people would always vote the same way. Yes, we want to see war on heroin. Yes, we want that bitch to die. Yes, we want him to do anything that root that chick. So you did, know, what, did all you, that stuff. Because that went through the TV show as well. And I, I guess we it did. Talk a bit more about that. But, I mean, uh, with, with the TV show... Again, you had that thing, the audience could vote in the first series, I think, for what was going to happen. At the end of each episode, yeah. there was a phone call you could make. Yeah. Was there actually, I mean, did it affect it at all, or was it always going to be one? Well, actually, yeah. John, John, if you went back through the Boxcutters archives and listened to our interview with uh, Brian Nan Kerbis, yeah, but, you know, if you were a good Boxcutters yeah, listener... Yeah, but I'm here now, <laughs> Pete's there, we're getting along, I thought I'd yeah. just ask the uh, question. You'd, you'd, also, you'd, you'd know that I was... One of the people who called up every single week <laughs> to oh, vote. Right. Yeah, really. And you would have been 12. And were, well, your, were your dreams crushed? I would have been crushed? 16. You were an old 15 or 16, I yeah. Think, cause I think, because I've met more people, because when I was out and about, when it was on air, because the comedy company already been on, and uh, so if I went out clubbing or something, people would just, you public property, and because you're on something that, that sort of, that's funny too. If you're on a comedy thing, it's an opinion thing. Mm. They'll come up to you, it's not like I'm Russell Crowe. Like, oh, you're a legend, Russell, and then walk away. They go, let's talk about comedy for a while. Or I've got a joke for you, which you always get. But there, let the bubble and free polarise so heavily, the people in the clubs hated it. Oh, that show you're on at the moment is, it's a dog, man. It's a dog. Okay. Really? Thanks, man. Thanks for your kind words. <laughs> <laughs> Anything else? Oh, yeah, comedy company was crap as well. <laughs> Fast forward was much better than that. Right, okay, keep them coming, everybody. But that happened a lot. But by the time I got to uh, probably the last... 10 years, kids who are aged between 10 and 14 must have been, they were the who was what, they were just, everyone has always said, I always had to go and watch it in my room in my bedroom or my parents let me wouldn't watch it, but we'd sneak off and watch it somewhere else. So all those people really loved it. So, so suddenly I was groovy <laughs> 20 years later. All right. Because I, 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 I thought it was fantastic and, and I actually thought it was ahead of its time and I had a, a friend who had come over from the US mm. Uh, and saw it, and uh, and he was just like, "We would never be allowed to have anything like this on television. It is, it is th- the most amazing thing I have ever seen." Right, that's very uh, nice. And and that and, and so I think because it was so out there and so violent and so funny, uh, that people didn't know what to make of it. Yeah, I, absolutely. It polarizes. That's what I'm saying about the polarization of it. So those who and sometimes. I reckon the, the telly scene is about 10 years behind the live kind of scene. Mm. So there was a gestation period that probably wasn't long enough from its beginnings to when it should have been on air. It probably would have been an easier pill to swallow probably 95 to 2000. You know what I mean? Because mm. it, it was part of that big comedy boom. It was part of the, it was the end of the comedy company, the fast forward period. It was all starting to fizz out. And then there was this kind of... You know, even I think. Oh, there was that whole full frontal. Yeah, timeline. the full frontal timeline thing, and and even the big girl's blouse was washed away because yep. that was a great series. And if you watch it back, it's got some really high quality work in it. And I think ours was ours was tinkered with because we had to want we we're on commercial seven eight o'clock at night, so we had taken something which was a a piece of beautiful live theatre, like it was fast, really really funny, and really fit. Like you know how you get match fit at your comedy work. This yep. thing was just freaking on fire you could just and then we had a two-year three-year hiatus and then we're back into it again and it's just lost its mojo you could feel the wheels it's different medium too we couldn't adjust for tv very well we're, we're we weren't toning down the level of performance which in one hand is fantastic but the other hand makes people go oh geez 
That's in your face. Well, that's, that, sorry, Brett. You talking talking just uh, about overseas. It, is my memory correct that it was sold into either the UK or Germany? Germany. And, oh, I went and, to France, Italy, Germany, Spain. But it was really big and, and was making a lot of money through that. So it was Ger- it yeah. was Germany. It was because of Germany that we got a second season. That's right. They funded the second. Yeah, yeah. So the Channel Ten just they showed it in dribs and drabs. I think it went out of order late at night. Yeah. But, I think uh, Heartbreak High was the same. Really? Yeah, <laughs> Look really. You know, we're in good yeah. company. Because I, I remember just off the top of my head, and I have the DVD at home of Series One, but I remember Series Two actually being better. I remember thinking when Series One. It's a little more left. It's it's a, lot, a bit more out because it had yeah. a lot of, uh, Carla de Bumdier in it as a vampire. There was a vampire and the prisoner storyline, which was and it was a prisoner storyline. Yeah, yeah, and that was something we made up for. Yeah. It. yeah, yeah, and we had no questions in it, so it could be a little more. Had a little more scope mm-hmm. uh, because the questions did actually, in relating to that question you asked before about whether the questions on TV went anywhere. Effect, yeah, yeah they, we did always write a kind of red herring plot line, which would take four or five scenes to re shift itself back into the main storyline again. But they never went that way. They never answered it the way. So you always did. knew which way people were going to pretty much. Yeah, yeah. but because you know, we, you'd done it so many times. Yeah. Yeah, except we couldn't say, do you want Warren on heroin? It was like, you know, should he become a chocolate addict or something pathetically 8 o'clock like that, you know? <laughs> there were so many of those funny little compromises we had to make that it's kind of was so nerve-wracking and, and scary and, 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 and changed on the fly that it was, it was just... And there was too many blood pumps around. We, you never saw blood very much. But the axe murderer came out with a lot of blood on him. Like Bill, Bill Hammernecks and Schwarzenegger would come out with a lot of blood and I'd have the sausage mints and stuff all stuck into this thing. I'd get stabbed, and on stage it was kind of good. Yeah. Because we got good at it, so I could make it spurt a bit, and the sausages would come out and funny, and yeah, party pie and some, you know, some stuff in there. It's sort of funny. But on the telly, they wanted actual splurting and, and stuff, you know. It was just, we'd rather you support, you know, use a thong as a scalpel rather than pull out a jam tin and have pumps and full-on blood and ribs showing, you know. It was never like that as a live show. It was always really stupid. And, and was that a case of, uh, I, I don't know, it seems like Ian McFadgen had uh, no hit, no hit, no hit, hit, mm. and then tried to surf that hit into a few other shows that were just no hit, no hit. The reason the comedy company went back on after it's, it peaked at the end of, like middle of late 88, 89, and then yep. it hit just, just on the sheer size of the numbers, finished at 89. But to get Blood Run Free on, and he and when he said, when, he, when we were doing it live, he said, we've got to get this on TV. It'll work as a really well as a TV show. So he already had, had it in his head. Channel 9 said, unless you bring the comedy company back, we won't make it for you. Channel so 10. That, yeah. So that's why when the comedy company back, came back with, you know, Jeff Payne in it and <laughs> sort of a really kooky cast, you know, yeah. it was all wrong and it was all really, really bad. That was why it came back. So blood could get on. Right. So there's a lot of weight on it. So the network were going, okay, we'll stick it at eight o'clock. Okay, yeah, it's going to be good. Then the advertising had come out and it'd be all these sort of Benny Hill busty nurses with all the bosom book going, that's not it. No, no, don't let that out. Go, it's terrible. They were misinterpreting it as some sort of Benny Hill kind of thing. It was all weird. They were... They had a. They couldn't get a, a hook. They couldn't get their telly hook on what it was, because it was so full on and strange. They hadn't seen it. They hadn't seen anything before it went to air. But was, you also did some comedy company. Yeah, did a stack of it. Yeah, uh, I wasn't a full, and full time member. And that was uh, that was the most successful sketch show on Australian television for a long yeah, time. Yeah, it was like it was the master chef of the late eighties. You know, it was a massive unit. I remember when it started, and it started at nine thirty on a Tuesday night. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And that went for about six episodes, and then it changed to a Sunday night mm-hmm. at 7.30. Yeah. Huge difference there. You've got an adult time slot going into oh. a family time slot. How does that change 
the the mood in the because I, I I would guess that you wouldn't have had any control over that. That would all be network saying we're moving it. It's successful. It's worked. We're moving it. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. So, but the original version nine thirty wasn't particularly uh, raunchy. It was wasn't a huge shift of your of content. You it could felt, you it could felt go raunchier there. to me. Yeah, yeah. Well, probably but you know, was. I was what, what, you know, twelve. Thirteen. Yeah. <laughs> That's it. So you moved to seven thirty, and it's. But Ian was good, and the writing could be so. Uh, and, and Doug McLeod, who was head writer on it, was sort of so. They were so good at writing for characters they knew that they could gent, they could make it softer, right? So uh, without causing it too much damage, and then suddenly it's family friendly and it took off. And uh, I and I, I had a horrible year the second year because I, I did I sort of did wasn't a full time member in the first year. I was a bit of a a floating cast member who used to come and do some sketches and then I became full time and before I started I did an interview with the Sunday Press saying I think the comedy company sketches might be a bit long I think they could be just maybe a little shorter <laughs> so there and they go you know I arrived to work on my first day and they're all going did you say that? <laughs> but you were right. Though, well, I was fucking well, I mean, yeah, right. Yeah, yeah, but I thought that were miles were, yeah. long. They were incredibly long padded sketches. And two so. months later, fast forward starts and they go at the end of a joke and they go mm-hmm. at the end of another joke. So yeah. they don't have to have a beginning, middle and end. There's no structure to it. They've got jokes in it and it's really funny and much faster. Comedy feeling. Company was, was really old-fashioned, wasn't it? It had very much kind of this is the punchline at the end of the sketch, which Paul the English Hogan had style. already yeah, yeah. dumped you know, 10, 15 years earlier. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Like, it's just, but, yeah. but Saturday Night Live was still doing yeah exactly and, right uh, Saturday Night and Live still, still doing unbelievably yeah. long Saturday Night Live just, oh. they're just well, yeah. seven minutes aren't they yeah, yeah. which yeah. is just wrong it's, it's incredible work. yeah anyway so I got in trouble so my confidence was kicked I, you know I had Mark Mitchell wouldn't talk to me all the, all the honchos I knew Glenn and Russell Gilbert and Russell going, what'd you say for mate jeez you bugger okay don't tell me everybody okay I'm sorry <laughs> Jeez, well, I think I'm right, but I'm sorry. But I just got butchered, and I got, and I just really fell, fell away. And t- as soon as the confidence game, I was just, I just, I was, I just felt I was doing really poor work for nearly all of the year, and, and I was looking back at doing Wild Man Cole, which was a live character from The Last Laugh from a different show with Mark Trevorrow, Bob Down, and Pick yep. a Hit. So, but that had come from there. But I, I never changed the energy of that. It was all really manic and really full on. I used to, rah, but watching it back, oh, that is painfully poor. <laughs> so, still, so still a lot, a lot easier to watch though than Ian McFadden's boobs. Oh my in god! In that bed scene. Oh my god! <laughs> <laughs> horrible, horrible to this day, Scott. And you know, I had to watch him get into the bed, and you see the whole back and everything. Oh. Like, there was nothing that was hairless. Something strangely hairless before waxing was ever invented. And it's just wrong, just so wrong. <sighs> and you know that they did it as well. Oh, not good. Let's uh, anyway move on. That's all yeah, dirty. That's all dirty and wrong. Let's, you, you mentioned uh, you mentioned Big Girls Blouse. Yes, uh, and uh, and from Big Girls Blouse came the Kath and Kim yes uh, characters. Mm. And you played Brett, which wasn't in, in the Kath- first. No, it wasn't in yeah. the first one. But you played uh, Brett mm. Kim's uh, Kim's husband. Uh, husband. Mm. I was trying to work out fiance husband. No, we got a- married in the. F- uh, get married in the, it's, there's some sort of marriage thing in the first app or something. Where uh, there you go, there's a video of us. Oh no, the the, the whole the, the whole um, Kath and Kim in Big Girls Blouse was all about Kim's wedding. Yes, of course. Yeah. So, uh, so you, uh, Brett was uh, was was Kim's husband. That show, that first series of of that show, and probably first, second, and third series of that show, mm. so tightly written. Uh, What's that like to to come onto set and 
how how much of it was written prior, how much of it was uh, improvised at the time, because you're all, A, so good at working together uh, after all that time, you're all great improvisers. Uh, the girls had written a, a lot of eps, and they, they couldn't get it on, because they couldn't get it on to the ABC. They would never make it. They had it they were contracted there for many, many years, so it sat there, and they'd, they'd rewrite it, and they'd go, no. Go back, it's not funny. It's not going to work. Well, that's got Jeff Portman written all over it. <laughs> exactly. So they've got, you know, they've got test case. This is what it did. This is what the sketch is. You've got, visual, you've got visuals. <laughs> you've got a visual of the characters. Have we got that? Okay, and this is what they're going to say. No, it's not funny. Rewrite it. So the Channel 10 said, we'll, we'll do it. Because they finally, after a few years, yeah, we'll make that. And they, WC said, no, you can't, because they're contracted to us. And there was a bit of a hoopaloo. And oh. then they all hated each other in the end. So the drama department made it as a narrative, because it was a narrative. They could go, we can make it as a narrative. Right. Robin Corshaw was the head of drama. Said we'll make it. So when you're making the first series, it's all being tippy toe around. Everyone's really nervous. The girls are nervous. I haven't got a character. I'm Brett. I, you know, I did a vague version of what became Brett in the audition sort of thing. And they, the ABC wanted um, like a, a proper actor to do it. Like a, I don't know, John Wood. John Wood. <laughs> yeah. A Mor- young, a young John Wood. <laughs> Morgan Freeman, something like that, <laughs> to come in and do so, do Brett. And uh, I kind of. And they, they auditioned and, and the girls were saying, we need a character, we need someone who has a sense of comedy to do it. And actors don't have that. And they don't, the ABC didn't understand that, the girls did. And they said, okay, you, and then they looked at me and I think Marty Sheargold was the other person. Only two of us went in for it. So, and Marty, I was taller. <laughs> so, I beat Sheargold on high to low. <laughs> and, uh, so, Anyone going up against Shams in... <laughs> In an audition, yeah, we're pu- we're pumps. We're so, up. That's a pump it up. He's pumps. a tiny man. He's a tiny, tiny man. So, do you think there's an issue about about uh, ABC, uh, the people that give the go the green light to these productions being too much a part of that Fountain Lakes kind of type oh. of person? Like the, they're I so real. So. I, I felt. I always felt quite uncomfortable. So they that they didn't want to be offended. Do you think they obviously thought that they could, you could offend a bulk of our audience here and say, please don't play it? Well, no, no. I, I, I just, what I'm asking is, are they the people that, you, that the show is taking the piss out of? That The people who want to program that, it? Oh, no, I don't think so. <laughs> Jeff Portman was that bad. <laughs> I've met Jeff Portman. But, uh, he's, uh, I, I, hadn't you? No. Oh, okay. No, not like at it's, all. It's so got, strange because I, I, I knew. Got, I got off-air stories for you. Have you? Yeah. yeah. So does John. Uh, <laughs> the, uh, but, John, are you, are you taking notes here? No, I'm just uh, not saying anything. <laughs> not saying anything. <laughs> I'm just going, I've got to start worrying about a career now. I? I've never had to worry about that before. Because John's got a, a, a show yes. that's uh, up for the ABC at the, at the moment. It's going into – it's in pre-production at the uh, moment. Pre-production starts a couple of weeks. It's, it's filming in November. Well, so it's, it's starting. You're up. You're gone. You're in. You're, yeah, you're yeah, yeah, That's, yeah, that's yeah, no it's faffing all. around with you. Yeah. Know, you go back and rewrite. You've gone through all that hell. So anyway, so we was tippy-toeing around. So when I look at the script and – Brett doesn't have, Brett was always on the phone in the first series. Well, you know, I just come in saying, yes, <laughs> over there. Or <laughs> just, just standing there, reacting to things, which was his thing. Because he he's not an outspoken kind of dude because he's married to that. He's married to Kim <laughs> who just doesn't shut up and is a bitch. So he just doesn't speak anyway. I like the fact that he didn't speak much. And he became the everyman. He became the audience. He was reacting to these this bizarre women and Kel and Sharon and in his own way. Like, I thought Brett's the most normal person in there, yep. I reckon. Um, and so that was my thing. You know, I, once I identified that, I was all right because I think it was hard to be in something where you weren't feeling that you were driving any of the humour. 
especially after being a stand-up comedian, you, when you don't drive any of it, it's a really hard thing to well, do. Because he's the closest thing to a straight man in that cast. Yes. And he, even then, not that straight. Like, as a, as a straight man, he's still got the gags. I think uh, the girls got better at writing me in to yeah. give me some things to do. You he's know? working so, for what they would call a viewpoint character, isn't he? Like, he's yeah. the one that most people at home go, well, that's the one character I understand. That's it. Yeah, yeah. yeah. But so is, we, is that frustrating he, for you, though? He buys, you... A dog, he buys a dog because he can't stand his wife. Yeah. <laughs> like, like, did you find <laughs> yourself trying to make the bits you had funnier when, in fact, it's best if you play the straight guy? Oh, I knew where the jokes were on the page, mm-hmm. yeah. so that's not my joke. That's not my joke. Yeah. <laughs> I don't seem to have a joke here. That's right, I was... I don't know, I'll just try to fit in. <laughs> so I just try to fit in. I spend a lot of my time doing that. And what I think, in the funny, it's a sort of way it's a character clue because I, that's all Brett tries to do. He's trying to sneak around the whole situation. He's trying to mentally and emotionally keep away from Kim or on Kim's side so he doesn't get burnt. So I think that that was a really handy thing to have. And also to the, to the acting world, oh, my God, you do great work on that. <laughs> thank you. I'm scared. I'm not really doing anything at all, but thank you very much. <laughs> <laughs> you know, Through that process, do you have like a table read where oh, look, you get uh, the feel for So this, back to the original, is how well written. The first series is extremely well written because it was rewritten so many times. Mm. And the second series was written on the fly a lot more. There was probably two drafts. So we read the first draft. We go, we make some suggestions only for jokes, maybe, to do that. It would be funny if that character did that or this one. They go back, they rewrite them all. And it was never, never improvised. It was right. purely, purely scripted. And occasionally, very, you might, they might more than anyone else improvise after they finish the scene. A couple of lines just off the bat, you know, just to see what, it wasn't like, we'll just keep it and we'll see what happens. You know, the only thing we wanted to get more of the time was the mojo of the thing right, so we'd often film the rehearsal. So if the cameras, because it was that fly-on-the-wall thing, if they got it and we were sort of still, you know, the lines weren't down necessarily set, you sort of had them but you didn't, if you know what I mean. Yep. So the thing had a lot of energy and you had to listen a lot. And so all those little acting skills came into play there. But if we didn't get it by the, you know, due to giggling fits or whatever might have happened by the first or second take... We knew we were doing it. This is where Ted comes into play, more of a structured piece of work where that joke will work. If that shot's there, that shot's there, that shot's there, bang, there's your joke. Let's move to the next scene. But generally, the mojo of the scenes were right. And I think that's what makes it a good show. That's why people look, you look comfortable together. Look, all the chemistry seems to be right. And that truly was because I was, I was the only nervous person, or the girls were nervous because they were producing and writing and doing the whole thing. And it was considered not to be a funny show at that point. They, they were that low in confidence. That it was just, it was really, you felt lucky to be there. That's kind of how it was being treated. And, you know, so once it took off, it was suddenly like, oh, there was a pressure valve was kind of released. And then the second series came out and the third. And then from that point on, it got harder, got much harder for them to kind of uh, keep the momentum and the writing up and the ideas simple and relatable. So it's like I think isn't there a Seinfeld story where they once they, once they teed off that golf shot and the the ball went into the the windpipe of the of the whale oh, or yeah, something yeah, yeah. that was when the world the, the Seinfeld world was shattered and they could do anything they wanted to then they had, they suddenly the lid was off and it became a much broader comedy whereas that's the thing with Catherine Kim it has to stay within some sort of boundaries yeah and that's a hard part it's, I think to write I think yeah it's, really Seinfeld did, did become really quite surreal and mm. Catherine Kim had uh, that you know that they developed this world for themselves that they yeah. couldn't. They couldn't move out from. That's it, and, and it sh- and it shows in the later series and in the mm. Decathlon Kid Kim Code. And you see, that was I reckon that was the most that was the most desperate out of them to deca- the Decode yep. because it was 
well, it's relevant to the decode, then that's now gone. A few the years on, so no one's going to yeah. know why Barry Jeffries dressed as a monk walking around the joint. No one's going to have any idea what that's about, and all the sort of symbolic stuff of Kim on the floor and the the, the, the stupid hologram signs and stuff. Uh, anyway, it was just one of those things. Whether it was made for it, we're going to get something else out there. You know? And it was and it was Channel Seven as well, wasn't it? No, oh no, 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 it was, ABC was the, It was the last thing on ABC, mm. and then the Channel Seven series. Yeah, and the seven and the series. We'd lost our original audience by that stage anyway. Yep. I remember, we're talking now a thing that's got really big wheels. And women love it, so women drive the whole thing. Women from 10 to 70 dig it because women love it because women drive the show. It's about women. Right. So, and that audience are very loyal and they will not go away. So it doesn't matter what network they're on. They don't like to watch it on 7. They'll just buy the DVD when it's finished. Mm-hmm. They yep. don't care. They don't know what the characters are now. They're not going to be mystified by a crazy plot twist. <laughs> you know, they're just watching it purely because they like watching the girls do crazy mental things, you know? Well, was there any change when you went to Seven? Did it feel like you were making a different show? Exactly so money same. everywhere? You know, same, no, same crew. Sandwiches no, no, no. Oh, we had, I think there was, oh, the guests got bigger all the time, but the guests were bigger at the ABC. We were at the ABC when Kylie came in and, and Jeffrey Rush was on, and but they were well written in. You know, I think I think the Shane Warne probably was the, as the Shane Warne impersonator thing was pretty loose, you know, but it was fun to spend a couple of days in warning. <laughs> you know, but, so, you know, I think that if if they do another series, will be the hard thing. There's been enough air probably between the two, the last one and the, and a final one, in terms of changes in the world because there's got to be new things to talk about in the house, and there's got to be new phrases and looks for Kim to wear off hot off the press, if you know what I mean. So yep. there'll be a lot more technology, I would imagine, with. In it, within it and being used by the characters, and uh, but surely they're just too rich to be bothered now, anyway. Oh. Surely, surely they're just the US sale would have uh, yeah, set them up nicely. Aren't, yeah. aren't they just rolling around in piles well, of cash in their ha- in their homes, just well, going, "Ooh, look at me, Jane I'm never all covered to- in one dollar coins." <laughs> yeah, no, yeah, Woo. Um, yeah. I- must be just the fact that Glenn and I are constantly knock on their door going, you reckon there's another one? <laughs> oh, it's like the Rolling Stones, isn't it? <laughs> it's waiting for Bill Moyer. Yeah. Hey, Bill, yeah. get off the front to watch, mate. It's one of the boys runs out of money and says, can we tour? We go, oh, bloody hell. Oh, what is it on this time? Oh, well, he doesn't Char- get as much as you. Charlie Watts, what? That jazz trio not working out for you, huh? <laughs> How did that solo album go, Charlie? Uh, Pete Roseland, thanks so much for, for joining us on Box Cutters. You're, it's you're a long sticking, time, sorry. You're sticking around. Yes, I'd love to. Uh, to, uh, to talk about greatest TV characters of all time. I can't wait to talk about the character I'm going to talk about. Excellent. Thanks. Ice TV is a service that finds all of your favourite shows on digital free-to-air television and tells your TV recorder to automatically record them for you. Your magic box. It is your magic box. Mm-hmm. Now, this is uh, this is a service that we've talked about a lot on Box Cutters, and we're very happy that they've come on board as a sponsor slash supporter slash they're giving us some money so that uh, Brett can do a little bit more research in his news. That's my understanding. Where was your news? I had news. <laughs> I had news, and I read through your news. Anyway, let's not get into that. Ice TV didn't want that. They don't care. They don't care. What they want is uh, to give Box Cutters listeners an excellent, excellent deal. Mm-hmm. If you already have a PVR... Magic you, box. Uh, that, is, uh, uh, ...that is compatible with Ice TV's system, mm-hmm. you can get 30% off a 12-month subscription. 
Mm-hmm. That's pretty exciting. If you don't have a PVR, there are two options. They've got a top field uh, PVR available to you and also uh, an Elgato ITV uh, to plug into your computer if that's the way that you want to go. What's an Elgato ITV? Uh, it's a little thing you plug into it's your computer. It's a little uh, HD card so that you can watch TV on your computer. It's a, I said it's a little thing that you can plug into your computer. <laughs> mm-hmm. That's the Elgato ITV. What does it do? It's a plays TV. It plays TV. It's a it's a, a digital tuner. Ah, uh, it's actually a dual digital tuner, so you can uh, record two things at once. USB. Uh, yes. Yep. Why not? <laughs> <laughs> I don't know. I've just got a picture of it. You know what? Uh, ITV's website it's, actually yeah, it's has, plugged into has the, uh, it's plugged into the USB. Quite a lot of information about uh, the. Choices in your uh, in your magic boxes, your PVRs, but, um, and but also the, your uh, your networking devices that run across the power and stuff. Yeah, they do, as well as your Elgato. The, uh, the for box cutters listeners, you can have uh, a discount on a top field seventy one hundred HD plus, mm-hmm. which which has three hundred and twenty gig of space on it, or an Elgato ITV Diversity, or 30% off a 12-month subscription to Ice TV, just go to icetv.com.au slash boxcutters, and there are all three of those deals up on that site. I'm chuffed we've got our own directory. Yeah. Icetv.com.au slash boxcutters. Go there. Uh, all three of those detail, uh, all three of those deals are detailed on that site. Click on the one that you want most. Go for it. Ice TV. We really like them, and we're very grateful that they have come on board to help support box cutters. Nobody knows what the future holds, my friend. Ladies and gentlemen, wake the kids. Phone the neighbors. Under all the circumstances, I disagree. This is such a crock of shit. The is Greatest TV characters of all time. We still have Pete Rosethorn with us. Still? Pete. Yes. Well, I'm, I'm saying still. <laughs> no, well, that has been a while. There was, you know, you were here, you were talking to us, and then there was a break. There was a little break, and there little was a live read. was fantastic, wasn't it just Wasn't it just great? On the edge. Mm. Yeah, I know. <laughs> yeah. I know. You know what? Yeah. I just made that shit up off the top of my head. <laughs> I know. I, I, I thought it might have been. <laughs> you could never tell. <laughs> uh, Pete Rose, now, now uh, Brett from, uh, from Kath and Kim, no, yep. not. Didn't make it. Not, not, in, the, not no. in the list. Not oh. in the list. Uh Sorry. But we were talking about Let the Blood Run Free, yes. and one of my my favourite character from from that, uh, and one of my favourite characters, got into my top ten. Did it? Uh, of all time. <laughs> Matron Dorothy Conniving Bitch. Well, it's a fine choice. It is and, a fine uh, choice. Played by the wonderful late uh, Linda Gibson, mm-hmm. uh, one of the best comedians ever, I, I would say. She was a great person as well. Yeah. I just want to go crazy there. Just say she was just such a great person. She was a she super, was super good person. And uh, on stage, I've never worked with a funny woman actually on stage. I've seen lots of funny women, but mm. on a live in, within live performance, and because we were doing Blood and we loved it, we wrote it, all sort of stuff. But she was just on. When that girl was on, she was in it. And like super good actor and super funny and uh, great improviser and 
but but she was very hard to um just quietly, I'm reasonably competitive on, on stage. I like to be, you know, in the top three at the end of the show. Yep. I want to be in the, you know, the best and fairest at the end of the season. I want to be in for a run. That's weird for a comedian. Isn't, isn't that strange? Normally, it's normally giving and caring yeah, and not competitive <laughs> no. at all. Yeah, so Linda was very hard to actually get on top of. <laughs> yeah, we had many, many battles. Well, and, and in, uh, in Let the Blood Run Free, you, you shared a, a lot of scenes. We did, yeah. Uh, so we loved working with each other a lot. Particularly once uh, Bill the X-Man, uh, the, the X-Man, or uh, Bill, hang on, let, let me see if I can get this, Bill Hammernegs... Hammernegs and Schwarzenegger. Hammernegs and Schwarzenegger. <laughs> you know, so it's that's yeah, quite I cool. It was never actually said. I think it was said once. Bill, and, Bill the so X-Man. Bill, my name was Bill. So we used to do all those sort of character things. We'd sit in a chair and say, okay, who are you? And, you know, just have to talk about, you know, your character. Oh, God, it was that. <laughs> so glad I'm not young anymore. And so, and so you, <laughs> you had to share, and, and much like we were talking about uh, with you before, uh, your stage persona was very physical. Yes. Oh, that was a really physical Gibbos show. Gibbo's was, was also oh. really physical. And she brought that into to, uh, to Matron Konami Bitch as you brought into uh, Warren Cronkshock as, yes. as well. What, what you love about people like Linda and um, Jean who Jean Kitson and Magda Shabansky and Jane Turner and Jane all they don't mind making themselves look really stupid. They don't mind dropping their their you know human you know the the style velour or pride just, or they don't pride is the word I'm looking for. <laughs> they have no pride. At the same time, when you've got no pride, you can go on attack and no one's going to worry about it. So he's just. Just fantastic. And Linda was really super good at moving and doing wall slams and walking into walls and doing all that really stupid stuff, when, you know, <laughs> making love to him. <laughs> you know, just good that she can get so excited to walk up to a piece of a wall and just root it. <laughs> For a girl to do that, it's just hilarious when you see that. Because it comes from nowhere when you watch it. it comes and what face, you can do. face licking. Well, face of- licking is full on. That was always on. Yeah, so anything kind of... Because I was dribbling because of the, the Barry Humphreys thing. I always wanted to... I saw a guy in hospital with enough saliva that he was technically dribbling. <laughs> he was an orderly. So I went, I reckon there's a hook. <laughs> and then I buried it back to Les Patterson because I love Les Patterson so much. And it's very, it's interesting you say something that's so gross. When you've got a hanger, you've got it, and the audience is going, oh, my God, look at that thing on his chin. And I've got no idea it's there because you get a bit of a, co- <laughs> sort of coagulates, and then it starts to get a big thick drool. And so all I've got is the audience <laughs> to go, oh, that's just not on. So I've got to – and also you've got to but stop the- doing it while other people are talking so you don't want to ruin their dialogue. So you've got to be really aware of when it goes. But they've had some magical moments. But Les Patterson had the uh, the He's advantage just- of, of actually having a glass of something that he would put in – yeah. With Warren, it was pure, just pure duck. spit. Yeah, pure duck. Yeah, <laughs> it was all dribble duck. Yeah, thank you. Broken dribble duck. Yeah, uh, and just I'm a bit like that. <laughs> My daughter's got to do now. It's extraordinary. Oh, jeez. But of course, <laughs> Josh, it's, it's not all about Peter. Do we have a no, clip of, of Magic and Ivy's pitch? Now the funniest woman. Sorry, in the world. I just I just get, I just get into into. Let's talk about how good Led the Blood Run. <laughs> <laughs> but Linda, just top notch. And I've just I've got I'll tell you a story about Linda. What she did in Adelaide once it was hilarious. Mm-hmm. Oh, have you been crying? Yes, Matron. Oh, why? Well, it's Dr. Love, Charlie. Oh, oh Tricky Dicky. Yes, Do yes. you know, last night he came to my room bearing gifts. He told me he adored me. Oh, no. Oh, yes. And we made strange and passionate love together for six hours on the kitchen sink. And he wiped me down with the dishcloth. He told me how wonderful it was to make love to a real woman. One with one big boozy up there, and the other one way back there where you can't see it. <laughs> we talked about 
you. Oh, you? He called you Effie the Goldfish. Trick! <laughs> 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 as if I'd let any of those doctors in my temple of delight. <laughs> <laughs> She would try to walk through the corridor and mm. smash into the flat. The set, yeah. At the, uh, the the character is so completely outrageous in a uh, in a cast of characters that are all completely outrageous. And we, we talked about Warren and his dribble duck, yeah. and uh, and every single character has their uh, their ridiculous quirks. Matron just stands out as being the most ridiculous but also obnoxious the most villainous and <laughs> and unlike most like, like the rule with a villain generally is uh they are a villain because they don't know they're a villain they don't think they're actually doing anything wrong whereas matron was completely she's awesome. fully aware she's All, fully aware she just <laughs> yeah. wanted to do horrible things to people one of my absolute favorite things and i must admit originally i'd been told that there had been a radio show originally which would have made more sense to this but it wasn't was it, it was yeah. never oh yeah it was radio? yeah was we it? did we did all the live series first and the, yeah. the run at last laugh then we made a radio series ah. of all the live versions and then it was a television because i'd been told you know, one of the things matron can a bitch which i love was that she would commentate what she was doing yeah, about to, about so as she walked around she'd go sneak 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 and and, and i just loved the idea of someone who actually tells you they're sneaking. There's this great, there is this great scene uh, really early on in the first series where she becomes uh, she becomes the the hospital administrator. Yeah, yeah. and uh, and she she gets into the administrator's office and she's looking through the bookshelf and she's going, oh, how to run a hospital, and throws it out the window. Oh, how, how to be a good hospital administrator. Throws it out the window. Ooh, mind comp. Read, 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 read. Not bad. I was because before you were talking about the, the theatrical s- style of the show, yeah. and uh, I saw one of the second series episodes being filmed. I was in the audience for one of those, and I remember that Linda would she do the take and get big laughs, and then they go, "Okay, we're going to do it again," and she'd do it bigger. Like yeah, she wanted, it. she wanted to get the same laughs each time, and she knew the audience would stop laughing if, if yeah, because like, they got used to it. So. Each take, she got more and more enormous, and you kind of wondered at what point, like, would she just keep doing that? Was there a point in which you go, no, no, I'm being too big now. For, for oh, that's just, that is such a hangover from the live thing and just really needing the laugh to get rhythm, and you think the laugh's not going to be there, so I'll, I'll alter the performance a little bit so it's there so I can keep the rhythm of the thing going. 
And um, the live audience used to have a really good time because of that, but I think it suffered as a show because of it as mm-hmm. well, because the takes were never the same. You know? <laughs> what are you doing? That's the wrong thing. It's a different shot, you know. There's a different makeup of the scene. So that was difficult, I think, maybe to edit at times. But um, it, was, it was so much fun. It was so much fun to do throughout the whole process. But she was, she was so uh, important to it. She was so she was. There was a series she wasn't in. She wasn't in. Um, in space, knowing uh, blood capsule, we did a, a series called Blood Capsule, which was about all the space spoofs. So, oh. and she wasn't in it, and um, uh, so it was really. I, felt, I thought the dynamic was, re- and, and she was replaced by David Swan, who we were talking about before. And right. He played a character called Technicock, technically no cock. Um, <laughs> brilliant, brilliant <laughs> I mean, Genius. wow, where's that coming from? Genius. <laughs> so <laughs> simple, so totally wrong. Um, but Linda, Linda would. Within the, sh- the guise of the live show, which was when it was cooking at its best, we went to the we went to um, to Adelaide Fringe to do a series there, and there was a group called the Castanet Club on, who at the time were just massive, and the Doug Anthony All Stars had just arrived on the scene. They were mm. kind of whoa, we've seen those four crazy guys, and you know we were doing our thing, and and Lin- there was lots of. Uh, Les- plenty of lesbian ladies hanging around the scene, you know, because we were on the late night show at twelve thirty or something, and there was a couple of really big, heavy girls sitting down the front, but clearly, you know, big glezos, like you know, nasty glezos, looking. Gee, those girls and nothing really hard to make laugh. So Linda's just gone. I'm just gone out trying to. Ah, look at you and your admirals and your big hair and your big bosom. They got you. Come on, here, let's get you. Grinding their faces, got a crutch in their faces, got a root in their heads, and they go, "Oh God, what's going on?" Then she goes up to the desk. It's quite a high desk, you know, and so she swings her leg up on it, and she sort of slides her foot down the desk, and she catches her 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 naughty bits on the on the corner of the thing. She goes, (gasps) (laughs) she moves her foot off, and she sniffs the corner of the thing. She gets a finger and she takes a finger. What makes me feel like <laughs> <laughs> I just went to town and bang, they're in for the rest of the show and they're on, you know? Because women would never be that rude or that, that full on and have the guts. And the guys of the character being so evil and so horrible, we had, it was just an open slather for you could, she, it was nothing that character couldn't do that you wouldn't expect that character to do. It was perfectly in her ballpark to do that move. She was the hero of the show, though, really. Was, I mean, she was the, oh, audience, totally. the audience was watching for her. She was the character that you, you were always interested in what she was doing. Oh, totally. Yeah, yeah. It was really, I mean, that's, she, it was it. It was really, really exciting with her. And she was an exciting person to be around and be on stage with. And, and like I say, we competed a bit. Not, not outwardly, it's like, you know, no one ever get cranky or anything, but, you know, it was on. When the show was cooking and up, we were both sort of having a great time. And, and same with Jean Kitson. And Jean, Jean was really, and Brian, because they were on in the live show, they were on as a couple. Mm. So all that kind of glove pulling and that, all that tension they had was all real, you know, because they, weren't, they weren't really together for a lot of it and they sort of fell in love during the process of it. So all the Nurse Pam and Dr. Good stuff has had a, had a sense of realism to it because it was sort of, there was a chemistry. But in, by the time it was telly that split up, it was all a bit oh. odd. It was all just about glove pulling and moves. Because <laughs> um, every time you know, on the YouTube you show, there's a lot of movement where the girls are just, just really just moving for movement's sake. There's no real reason why they're whiffing their legs and they're kicking their legs and shuffling their feet. There's no... Ro- it was just funny to watch when you're watching it live. And on the telly show, it doesn't really make any sense at all because no one's laughing at it and was going, what am I doing that for? Well, that's, that, that's the thing. that It was... It brought... It actually brought the stage to the screen because it had those big movements because... Matron is just doing these giant arm circles and yeah. leg kicks and things that on television you, you never saw. No. 
because everything's close up on television. You can do everything close. And yeah. all the funny is in the is in the writing on yeah. television and none of it's in the vaudevillian uh, physical comedy anymore. And yeah. to do that in front of a live audience on television at 8 o'clock, a family time slot on, yeah, yeah. on Channel 10, uh, was... And then to have a question at the end where you can decide what things, where things are going yeah. to go. Ten years before that was ever going to hit the, you know, SMSing or it was, you know, it was just it was a very early call for that kind of idea because you're looking to go to your phone and go, hello, Channel Ten. I had I had a pulse tone. Did you push button phone? Oh, so it wasn't it wasn't still had to wait for as long. Yeah, still had to wait for it. But it was push button. But it was push button. Yeah, like behind the scenes. But still, ultimately, in a factory somewhere, there's a woman who has to push the giant. Yeah, what do you just do or not? So that's. I hope that goes to explain why I had Matron Dorothy conniving bitch in my top ten greatest TV characters. Gosh, I'm more than happy. I'm so happy you've done it and called it and brought me in here to to talk on her behalf. I only wish she was here to talk for herself. Oh, t- That's all I wish for. Tell me about it. It's uh, one of the greatest losses to I have the Australian a, comedy scene. I have a pictures of her in my office and I look at my giant Let the Blood Run Free poster purely because of my time spent with Linda Gibson. There's no reason to have a poster up anywhere of me in it. <laughs> I'm not particularly in the poster. I'm not really a poster kind of person about shows I've done, but there's only one. There's a huge Let the Blood Run Free one, a picture of her. And uh, so many great memories of her and just... just just love it. Well, while we're, while we're talking about uh, Linda Gibson, and, and to get an idea for, for the listeners who weren't familiar with her work, of the sorts of barriers that she would push, especially on television, there was a show that she did, uh, she was in remission for a very short time. She, she died of uh, uh, cancer a number of years ago. She was in remission for a very short time, did a show on the ABC. Mm, with the girls in it. Or the, yeah. yeah what was that I can't remember what it was called, though. Was a, there was a lot of girls in there who... There was lots. There's some great women in there. It was really strange. It was the Abbas here trying to get something to happen at a time where there was nothing going on? Yeah. So they just thought they got every funny person. Uh, her, Marianne Faye. Yeah. Uh, I'm sure, of Jean was that? Was Jean there? Jean Kitson? I don't think so. Um, oh, Melissa, someone. But she she had uh, so she'd gone through chemo. She was in remission for a very short amount of time. She still had no hair, mm. and there were scenes of her bald and smoking <laughs> on television. <laughs> Having we just don't recommend through. that, everybody. Um, and, yeah. uh, and, and it was just, it was that kind of confrontation that she would just put herself in for mm. uh, because she knew that we needed it. I, I think without Linda Gibson on television, without anyone like Linda Gibson on television, we've kind of fallen into this hole of conservatism. Uh, in in recent years, it's fairly pretty. Everything's pretty again. Yeah, you know? but Catherine Kim was seen as quite outrageous, but it wasn't nearly not even close to what Blood was in terms of its f- f- full onness. <laughs> yes. like if you like, the girls did that in sketch form. You know what I mean? Into Big Girls Blouse, they had a bigness to what they did. Okay, and don't mind making themselves look stupid, like I said. But Blood was its own kind of. It was a. It was a. It was a. a, a sort of a. Uh, sorry, it was sort of a, um, a throwback from the late seventies, early eighties, sort of arty vibe if you like mm. and an avant-garde kind of comedy theatre that's all it was and it, we just translated it and didn't shift it and put it on telly and we got lucky enough to be there because of Ian McBadgen got lucky to give it a run and we got it a run it wasn't it like and, I and said, his boobs you've got to mention his, every time <laughs> Ian and his bosoms got it on television for us <laughs> Pete Roseland thank you so much for joining us no. on, on Box Cutters it's been a, a, a wonderful trip now uh, listeners can see you on Can We Help 
six thirty Fridays, <laughs> which is I so don't presume to home. everything, yeah. everything that we've yeah. talked about. Yeah, so totally, yeah, it's yeah. it's exactly the same. It's so if the you same. like let the blood run you know, free, you will love. Can we help? Occasionally, there's a little bit in there. <laughs> I bury it, but yeah. it's there. Oh, All right, it's there. yeah, it's in little tiny nuance. Thanks, Pete. Thank you very much, my friends. If I was going to watch one thing this week, it would be four things at once. <gasps> That's one, one thing, Josh. Are you doing a Brett, Josh? No, because it's, it's one thing. Josh. It's one thing, and yet it's four things at once. Is this like a kinder surprise? It is. It, it is. Like kind, it is kind of like a kinder surprise. Mm. It is Saturday night, election night. Got a barrel full of chooks. It's going to be all right. Thanks, Wilbur Wild. Yeah. Uh, election night, Channel Nine, Channel Seven, ABC, Sky. It's all over the place. I'll be watching it. I'll be watching it with as many televisions as I can, all at once. It'll be one thing, but I'll be very. It's it's going to be a lot of uh, a lot of action coming into my eyes. It'll be like uh, I don't know if I've ever told you about the uh, I've spoken with James Harley about this and we've kind of alluded to it on the show uh, when I had really bad insomnia for a while and uh, I used to just stay up all night watching Bloomberg, which does not help with the insomnia because there is so much information going into your brain. It's so exciting, isn't it? Every, stuff everywhere. Every single bit everywhere. of the screen is used. And so that's what I'm going to try to do on election night, hopefully, if, if I can. Just what's Anthony Green saying? What's, what's this guy saying? What's going on over here? Ah, oh, who let Alan Fanning on? Ah, what's going on? I met someone who was a newsreader on Bloomberg once and he said that no one ever recognises you because they can't see your face because there's just too much stuff it's going too, on. Too, who looks, <laughs> who looks at the face? people? Yeah. It's postage yeah, stamp size. Exactly. Yeah. You, you listen to the guy, then you go, oh, I miss Australia's currency. Oh, I've got to wait for it to come around again. <laughs> what's going on? What's going on? And it's the same with me on election night. Oh, what's what's happening in Edmonaro? What's going on? I just love it. I'm mad for it. So you don't have a service that you rely on? Television. No, no, but commentators, network. Television. I look at everyone. So you, you What's flip- everyone saying? Oh, they've called it for this seat. Oh, they haven't called it for this seat. So oh, they've flip- got it at fifty-eight percent. Oh, they've got it at fifty-seven percent. So you flip between uh, Red Kerry and uh, David Spears. Yeah, I, I've, I've flipped as between well as- the, and Koshy and Mel Does and Ch- whatever. Channel Ten actually do a coverage. I think they've got Ghostbusters. Uh-huh. I don't know. It's, I've made that up, but I wouldn't be surprised. <laughs> I would be all surprised. Wouldn't be no. surprised if they got Ghostbusters on Channel Ten. That'd be hilarious. And uh, I'm not even going to look it up. Let's just assume Channel 10 have Ghostbusters. Just yeah. And Ghostbusters 2. Two. Yeah. Uh, you, you don't, uh, Electric sus- Boogaloo. You don't suspect that uh, Channel 9 might just have Mark Lathan saying, and Ed Monaro has come in, uh, no votes. <laughs> Everybody put in a blank ballot. Yeah, we didn't, even, uh, we didn't even talk about that because I was too busy um, being angry at you. But uh, the whole Mark Latham 60 Minutes thing. Yeah. That was That's nuts. Just, yeah. That was nuts. But, but very interesting that the only person that would... Well, one of only two people that spoke to him on camera uh, was that, that racist joke that we should forget about and I thought had actually been uh, properly adopted by the, uh, by the British uh, nationalists and, and had hoped we'd never see her again. Pauline Margaret Hansen. Thatcher. Pauline oh. Hansen. Okay. Um, so, so clearly nobody else, uh, apart from Bob Brown, uh, spoke to him. And she said nothing anyway. She was like, oh, no, I don't like hair. And I'll never forgive Tony Abbott for 
putting me in jail. As promised, uh, as promised last week on the show, I intended to watch it, but did not watch it because I was at the Eels concert, which was excellent. I, I think if you go back to last week and you remember if I was going to watch one thing, it was the Eels concert on Sunday night. It was good. Which was excellent. Ooh. They were fantastic. John, what would you watch if you were going to watch one thing? Uh, I would... Election? It's on four channels. I was actually going to say, I'd, I'd go back in time by one day and 48 years and watch uh, season two of Mad Men, which is uh, debuting on SBS. It's on Sunday so nights. Sunday nights. SBS. Although really, you know, if you don't, I mean, you know, we're, we're all watching season four SBS. The rest of us, season four. I'm not. I couldn't even get through season one. Okay. So um, I've tried it many times. I would say, uh, f- is it this Friday night? I'm off to see Joss Whedon talk at the Melbourne Town Hall. No, it's, is it's it next Friday. Next Friday. Okay. If I watch one thing next week, it'd be Friday night. Joss Whedon, Melbourne Town Hall. Last Friday night, did you watch? Uh, did you watch Brett Easton Ellis? No, no, I didn't. It was very entertaining. Mm-hmm. Very entertaining in conversation with Alan Bro. That would be interesting. Uh, who did a very, very good job uh, because Brett Easton Ellis is a very difficult man to interview in front of an audience. Really? Yeah, I had him on the conversation hour, and he was very chatty. Right. Very, very quickly got into the it's all about my father issues. Should have uh, should have had him speak with Romana Caval, the uh, Bondi, oh. no, the Brian Bay uh, Writers Festival. As far as I can tell, she can't even decide how to pronounce her name. What were you going to watch? Uh, my one thing is uh, on ABC One on Thursday night at nine thirty p.m. That's not the election. It's called Anatomy of a Massacre. I thought the uh, uh, hang on, Anatomy of a just m- swallow my word massacre on okay. November 12, ninety one. An estimated two hundred people were shot and killed by the Indonesian military during an independence march in occupied East Timor, and it goes on from there. Uh, hang on, more people getting killed in East Timor. I thought that was in the seventies. No, ninety one. Um, yeah. Yeah, I, I wow. should, you know. Uh, I, wow. I, you remember is, the 70s revival of the 90s, Josh? Oh, yeah, 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 yeah. Everything, yeah. Was, everything was 70s again. No, 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 but don't you remember Dilly? The, the Dilly Massacre in the, the, the cemetery? Yeah, yeah, everyone wore flares and... It was, wasn't in the 70s. Am I making light of something really, really horrible? Yeah. Well, I really shouldn't be doing that, should I? No. So it's, it's not the, uh, the, the journalists. It, it was just the, the Indonesian military going in and, and opening fire. It was horrible. On the uh, demonstration, it was a horrible thing to happen. Yeah, and I was making light of it, and I should. I, I did think that uh, watching the election coverage of some sort uh, would go with that saying, but it didn't. It's on four channels, Brad. And, and Ghostbusters. And Ghostbusters. <laughs> and, and, are, are you going to a pub to, to watch it with uh, with the crowds? Get into the uh, the cheering, barracking. They don't know what channel I want to watch at what particular time. Uh, I've actually. Oh, I've been, so you're in a darkened room just by yourself with a remote uh, flipping. Blah, 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 flip, blah, flip, flip, just like that. Just going. Yeah, that's what I'm doing. Sweet. I'm going to be at uh, Handsome Steve's at Abbotsford Convent for Don's party esque nights. Mm, nice. Hmm. Press a button. Okay. Hey, um, when I cast my pod. It's with the box cutters in mind. Box cutters. Pod. Cast. Done. Pork is on the table. So what a I tool was, Mark Latham is. I was wrong, by oh, the way. Oh, no. What about? Uh, last week I said that it was uh, Leaping Lariel who said that the presidency of the United States of America, the mm-hmm. band, were the kings of the single entendre. 
I was wrong. Sounds more like Dave Vodka, I reckon. It's actually... Brett Duck. Anthony Morgan. Hmm. Anthony Morgan said that. Really? Yeah. Morg said that? Yeah. Hey, can I actually yeah. say... My, my brother, who uh, is almost finished the first season of Lost, uh, and, you know, feels a bit guilty. No uh, to you, Nelly. Uh, he, uh, he corrected me on that during the week. Hmm. While we were at the Eels concert. Which was but by the, by the time the presidents of the United States of America had come to the fore, musically speaking, he had retired from comedy, hadn't Smorks, and no. moved down to Tasmania? No. No, no, that's not no. the chronology going on there? No. Oh. I just want to share something very, very quick, uh, only tangentially television connected. This is your last show because you're sick of us bickering? No, well, I mean that, obviously, that's what I'm saying. No, no, but when, when you pour liquid... Onto a computer, I discovered today. <laughs> ah. It doesn't make your computer come to life and try to steal your girlfriend, like in the film Electric Dreams. Hang on, hang on. What liquid did you pour on your computer? Well, it was coffee. Right. And in Electric Dreams? It was champagne. It? Right. But so still, do you see where your problem is? I know, but I'm still saying... If you're going to try to recreate an experiment, you can't just say, <laughs> oh, well, cold fusion doesn't exist because I tried to just... Do you want two hit, things together? You, want, I, I, you, you can actually pour liquid into a computer and have it be perfectly safe. As long as it's deionized water. Well, I, I wasn't. Was it deionized coffee? It wasn't deionized coffee. Ah, no. that's it, where you went wrong. It was from North Island in, in, in North Fitzroy. It's I'm not nice. sure why you were pouring that into your computer. It wasn't deliberate, but I was just going to say, doesn't make that happen. Just makes the computer stop working. Not 90 minutes of toe tapping fun. Tips for young players. Yeah. Mm. yeah. Yeah. Words of advice for young people. And I was writing a TV show at the time. That's why it's oh. tangentially, oh, tangentially TV Did you say it was saved. It's just it was in the computer. I couldn't turn on anymore. Have you pulled the hard drive out and plugged it in somewhere else? It, 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 you didn't have it on a USB key? Well, no, because I was writing it at the time. Yeah, you can do that. Yeah, but I was writing it. Aren't you also supposed to have already written it? I was like, no, no, it's, look, it's, it's five years isn't worth this of writing. Finished? Isn't this the greatest no, thing on, cha- on no, ABC, keep, on TV? You keep writing it. That's Everywhere. how this stuff works. This yeah, we're up to like draft 48 or something. When I don't is know. it finished? When is it going to be finished? <sighs> when they're editing it, I guess. Because... You That's know, if I'm sick of it, imagine what you feel like. I know, I know. And this is episode one, which is even worse. Going, <laughs> didn't we do this? But, uh, episode yeah. one of Suddenly One. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> and that brings us to the end of Box Cutters episode 237. I want to say thanks to Ice TV. Don't forget, icetv.com.au slash boxcutters to find out about those special deals. I'm so glad they've come on board. I also want to say thanks to Pete Rosethorn. Uh, for coming in and talking to us at length about his career and the wonderful Linda Gibson and uh, made from Dorothy Conniving Bitch. Talking about Linda Gibson. She wasn't here. She wasn't here. She wasn't no, because she's unfortunately passed. Uh, until... I still get sad about that. Yeah, I still get sad about it. It's, it's... No, I do. I'm oh. saying. Oh, okay. I you miss her. You can. Miss you, Gibbo. If you want. Big Wednesdays, big Saturdays. Until next week, my name is... Josh Canal, don't forget to subscribe to Triple R. I'm John Richards. I continue to be Brett Cropley, plus six one three nine three double eight one zero two seven. Subscribe to Box Cutters, then Geek Guide, then pick another show. Thanks for listening to Box Cutters. Catch us again next week, same bad time, same bad channel. And hey, let's be careful out there. 
Boxcutters thanks 3RRR, whose studios we use to record this podcast pretty much each and every week. Find them on the web at rrr.org.au or 102.7 FM if you're in the Melbourne metro area. If you enjoyed this podcast, please go onto the iTunes Music Store or anywhere else you find us and leave a review. It will help other people find Boxcutters and then they can enjoy it too. Email us at hooray at boxcutters.net or via SMS on 0458 288 837. That's 0458 Cutter. When I heard about this show, I think I yelped with excitement. I am the original wedding crasher. I love watching weddings, the tears, the tantrums, and the occasional Elvis person impersonator. Who said that? Paulie Shaw. Fifi Box about uh, hosting the new Channel 7 TV show for weddings. Well, at least Fifi Box is interested and pleased about it. <laughs> That's at least one person. Oh, wait, I know someone else who's interested. Well, it's two. Hi, this is Pete Smith. You've been listening to or have just missed Box Cutters.